1: Clap clap your hands and stomp your feet. You're listening. You're listening to the Clap Your Hands podcast. Hosted by Elliot Shure Parks and Kyle Newbeck. Here they
0: come. Arguably the big news, you know, in terms of just team construction and roster, is they bench Maxie. I mean, there's no other way to put it. They bench Maxie against the Lakers. Healthy came off the bench. Um, shout out to uh Sixers beat writer, uh Rich Kaufman that was, I guess, in LA um talking to Doc Rivers and said that apparently Maxi called Doc Rivers to say that he wanted to come off the bench. And maybe I'm paraphrasing here, but I think that's kind of the vibe, or at least he was open to it.
1: Um, yeah.
0: it's something we have talked about a lot. It's becoming a theme of the season of what do you do with Maxi? Um, they did it, they put him off the they pulled him off the bench, they kept Tucker in the lineup, started Melton. Melton didn't have a great game. I don't think he scored actually a single point. Maybe he ended up with two. but Yeah, the funny part game. is
1: neither Melton nor Maxi played well in this game. So it was yeah. like the worst of both
0: worlds. I mean, Maxie did, I think, get up to 16 points, but he did not shoot the ball well uh, no. against the Lakers.
1: So what do you think
0: about the fact that Melton is starting and Maxi is on the bench, and they actually did it?
1: So first of all, I am like I wasn't there in LA, but I'm very curious if um, this is a situation like we saw when Doc said, oh yeah, we practice zone every day. And then Tobias Harris got asked about it and he said, yeah, mm-hmm. we never play zone or practice zone. <laughs> and it was like a direct, like, I'll be curious to see what Tyree says about this when I'm able to talk to him next. But yeah, I, I think this touches on something we, we discussed previously where it's like, of anybody on the team, I think Tyrese is best suited personality wise to take a step back and say, you know, I'll do whatever it takes for the team. He clearly didn't suffer in terms of, you know, raw minutes played. And he was the one who got to play crunch time, closing time, rather than Melton in last night's game. So, you know, that's noteworthy on its own that, you know, even if Melton got the start and Tucker got the start, eventually they're closing with Tyrese and George Niang, the latter of which was pretty controversial at the time, but he mm-hmm. ends up making the biggest shot of the game and the biggest defensive player of yeah. the game, uh, weirdly enough. Defensive um, player especially noteworthy with him. I mean, that was that was more <laughs> Russell Westbrook being an absolute maniac than anything else. Yeah,
0: he uh, looks out of control in L.A. when he plays. Like,
1: just not been good. And he was actually good for most of last night. Like, one of the best Russ games I've seen this season. That's damning with fa- faint breeze, but... <laughs> um so i I, here's what i would say this does show why i think doc has probably gotten a little too much criticism this year i believe he also said last night that they're going to have probably three different starting groups they're they're going to rotate through them moving forward and that in itself is something we would not have seen doc do in the past right like that's the sort of thing that we would get on doc for that they just play their lineup no matter what and it's set in stone. They do things the same way. It doesn't matter who the other team is, who they have to guard, how they're going to attack the other team. The fact that Doc is here saying, we probably have three different lineups that we'll go to and we'll shuffle through. That in itself is a big development. It's Good a, point. it's a step away from who Doc has been historically as a coach. Um, now, whether those lineups all include P.J. Tucker or not is maybe the bigger deal because he again had a disaster of a game in L.A. after having a disaster of a game in Utah. And the fact that P.J. is not closing in a game where that's like one of the most obvious. This is who you brought P.J. in to defend games mm-hmm. of the season. Like LeBron obviously still looks amazing for his age, but is the like the body type the the profile of guy that PJ's here to guard? And instead they play George Niang in crunch time. Yeah. Like that says a lot about where PJ's at right now and sort of the trust level that, that doc has in him. On the other hand, that's another example of Doc saying, you know, look, I'm not gonna go with the guy who's the name guy, the bigger contract guy for legacy purposes, that because PJ was good last year or two years ago. I'm going to play who I think gives us the best chance to win in this moment, who's making life easier for our stars. And so by extension of that, that's the same philosophy for the starting lineup. Like, What is the best lineup we can put on the floor that's going to get the best out of Joel Embiid and James Harden? If that's DeAnthony Melton one night, great. If that's Tyrese Maxey the next night, great. The fact that they're at least willing to try these different things is, I think, super important. And you know, I give Doc credit for that, despite the fact that I thought their defensive game plan last night in L.A. was absolutely ridiculous. And Not a fan you know, of it. maybe we can get that to that at some point. But, yeah, I think this is a, a good sign. And if we take it for what it is on the surface and say that, you know, Tyrese is a willing participant in this and that this isn't causing any sort of locker room issue. I also think, you know, as much as we're talking about the basketball merits of it. I think it's smart to come out and say, you know, we're going to move through these different lineups because that that's a politics thing as much as it is a basketball thing. You can go to Tyrese or maybe more importantly, Rich Paul and the people around Tyrese and say, look, this is not a demotion. This is not Tyrese got hurt and is now being sent to the bench permanently. This is just something we're going to do to mix and match and be the best version of ourselves every night. Like there is a little bit of PR spin to it that that comes with that. And, you know, I think that's probably a savvy move from the team to to set it up that way. I do think it's a little bit like with the Eagles, with
0: their defensive ends, they rotate, they all play snaps. And they're, you know, in 2017, it was very much like this because they didn't have an elite edge rusher, but it was, they were all starters, quote unquote. We don't have starters. It's just whoever's out there on the first snap is is who is, who is out there. And this year, you're seeing that as well. I mean, Brandon Graham, double-digit sacks, not a starter, quote-unquote. But I think that's a different situation than a starting five in an NBA game. I think there's just more merit to starting. I give Tyrese credit. If he's actually saying, the best thing is for me to come off the bench, if you think that I'm willing to do it, I give him a ton of credit for doing that. Because I think going to the bench, no matter how people try to spin it, there has to be some level of... I don't want to say like a moral blow or anything, but you're not the starter. I think in the NBA, being a starting player really does, does truly matter. Now we've talked about this and I think it's, it's a great point PJ Tucker gives you nothing off the bench. So that's the tough thing is that you bring him off the bench and there's nothing there last night when I was watching the game and I was texting some of my friends and saying, man, it's so dumb. They're not starting maxi. Well, when they brought Maxi off the bench, there was an exciting element to it of, all right, now they have Maxi coming in. He's a change of pace guard. He can really run. He can shoot. So there's those components of bringing him off the bench is a weapon in a ways, whereas PJ is is not, not that. And at the end of games, I do think he'll be in. I think right now, as frustrating as it is that PJ is going to start, because I don't think he's one of the best five players, I think you can get by with it. It's regular season. You're trying different things. I agree with you on the politics thing about saying we have three different starting lineups. For sure, that that that's why he did it. My concern is just long term. Maxi, for as you know, as great of a person as he might be and as unselfish as he's being, there is no way he is going to be a rotating starting player in for the Sixers. And you know, right now, you can maybe convince Rich Paul into it. You can convince Maxi to be happy about it, even if he suggested it. It's not going to be something they can do for, for a year or two, but maybe we shouldn't worry about those problems until down the line and just say for now, it seems to be to your point, a good solution to uh, you know, maybe a good problem. I don't know if it's a good problem to have, but certainly uh, something they have to figure out.
1: So a a few things I want to touch on there. Like the the football comparison is important, right? Because if you're going to rotate defensive ends You can have a guy who plays on first down and then immediately bring someone in on second down. Like it's easy to just say guys are shuffling in and out. Like we're just getting fresh bodies out there as much as we can. You can't do that in basketball. It's all about one stoppages two guys getting into a rhythm on offense and having to play extended periods of time. It's not as simple as, you know, we're bringing somebody in as like a third down edge rusher that they're a get to the quarterback type guy versus a, more of a complete or run stopping guy like Brandon Graham has been yeah. throughout his career. Um, so there's, you can't do that. It's not the same in that way. Like you can make offense, defense subs late in games, but by and large, that's like very situational basketball. That's not something you're going to do, you know, throughout a game or, or certainly in the middle quarters. Uh, and then I agree with you, like <laughs> as much as I think Tyrese is this great kid and probably is best suited for this on the team. Eventually, you know, he's going to say, you know, I want a bigger opportunity. I deserve a bigger opportunity. And he's going to hear things like that from his agent, from his family. And I don't mean this. This is not criticism. His family is awesome. And you can tell that he was raised by, like, a great set of parents and he Mm -hmm. has good people around him. But, like, they're going to say to him at some point, like, look, son, like you probably deserve more. Yeah. A hundred percent. And you hear those things from people that you love and trust and care about, like that gets in your head. Like, I I think that's what people don't probably don't really think about that much is like, even if Tyrese goes into this with the absolute best mindset possible and, you know, maybe there's a pie in the sky scenario where he looks at this as he can be like the Manu Ginobili of the Sixers. And yeah, However, realistic. Lou Williams.
0: I always actually thought he compared to Lou Williams as a six-man type of guy, like just coming. But I just, just mean in,
1: in the thing. in the sense that like he is willing to do it as, a, like this is what's best for the championship, Des, right. despite the fact that I probably am not probably am definitely one of the five best players on this team. Yeah, that, that's more the Ginobili thing that I'm. I'm getting and probably at. top three. Right. So yeah. even if he's willing to. Take that approach. Other people are going to get in his head to some degree. Like, you have to be a really mentally strong person to to hear things coming from, whether that's the people around you, Mm -hmm. fans, media members, whatever it is. Like, it takes a lot to be able to withstand that over the long term and not grow at least somewhat dissatisfied with where you're at. Like, not every guy is suited to do that. Now, maybe Tyrese is, maybe he's able to. Maybe he just gets paid and, like, none of this stuff matters. Like, yeah, you get a big-time contract and you're the sixth man, but you still play over 30 minutes a game and play in crunch time. Like, you could definitely say, yeah, it doesn't matter if he starts or comes off the bench at that point. But getting to that point is important and making sure that, you know, everyone stays in the boat is important. On the other side of that, too, like, we're viewing this through Tyrese's eyes because of how the lineup was last night imagine you're d'anthony melton and like you have that run all throughout november and december where as the fifth starter you're playing really well individually and the team plays great and tyrese comes back and you get demoted and you're in this sort of swing role where you're going back and forth between starting and closing doesn't close at all last night is off the floor for their important crunch time reps like that in itself is a, another big deal. And Melton is not the one who's going to get probably a big money extension in the offseason. Like he's going to play another year at 8 million a year. And so he's got that in his mind. Like, I need to have a huge 2023-24 because I should be headed toward a big payday in 2024, whether that's for the Sixers or elsewhere. So yeah. there is a lot of Saying ego management makes it seem like these guys have like ego problems, but it like they rightfully are going to say, I'm very good at basketball, I've been a big producer for this team in the way that I am, and I deserve these opportunities. And you know, you look at PJ and what he's doing, and there might be resent building up at or resentfulness, yeah, resentment building up at uh at some point. So yeah. I I think that's all things that you have to keep in mind over the long term. And, you know, we'll see how this shakes out. I do think it lends some credence, too, to the idea, like, maybe you do have to explore trades at some point with Tyrese, as much for, like, his long-term benefit and long-term desire as it is, like, making the team better. But that's, you know, if they can find a workable version of this group, they'll do that before they trade them. Well, and the, you know, you talk about trading, you know, you want to
0: make sure it doesn't get to a point where those guys are asking to be traded, right? Yes. I mean, I'll, I'll give another Eagles analogy here since, you know, it's playoff time and I guess they're on my mind, but think about Devontae Smith, right? Devontae Smith on his rookie deal is, was the number one receiver last year. AJ comes in now, Devontae still put up really big numbers. So they've, and they've gone above and beyond to make sure, you know, Devonte's a number one for us. He's well, all those things are true, Right the end of the day, Devontae needs to get paid. Maxi needs to get paid. Melton needs to get paid. PJ's been paid. PJ got a deal he probably could have never dreamed of. AJ Brown got his $100 million deal. The reality is when these athletes that have not been paid are taking back seats, we can, you know, De- Devontae, such a great guy. And it's true. Devontae wants to win, you know, all these things. Maxi, great people around It's him. still like, a
1: career. Like, it's, it's still, still a, a job.
0: Right. It's still there. When you're an athlete, you have two to three chances throughout your career to get paid like to get your deal, right? So the Eagles can be happy that Devontae is happy now. Bottom line is, unless Devontae gets a number one receiver contract, he's going to go somewhere where they will pay him like a number one receiver. Maxi and Melton. Now, they might Mac, max maxi out, and we talked about this on the last pod, just to do it. And so maybe this is not going to matter. But if it's 30 games of this, 40 games of this, you know, people around Maxi are going to say, look, don't mess up your contract here because the Sixers can say one thing now about, yeah, you know, we're, we're going to pay you anyway. Don't worry about it. And blah, 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 blah. But if, if they could do 30 games him coming off the bench and things are going great and Melton's playing well, it's just human nature to go, all right, maybe we don't actually have to max you out. And to Melton's point, he, he even more so, cause he doesn't have a guaranteed contract. Max's isn't actually guaranteed, but we both agree he's going to get it. Melton does not have that. So you're right about maybe exploring them, to avoid a future problem, but it's also going to be really tricky to av- avoid a situation where Melton's team is going, you know what? Trade me because I have to get somewhere where I'm going to get paid. I, I have to. And the question I would have for you is someone that's around them more. What do you think PJ would feel about coming off the bench? We talked about how Maxie would feel, how Melton would feel. What about PJ? The Sixers overpaid him, right? He's close with James Harden. You know all these. I mean, could he be considered to to come off the bench or is the basketball part of it? Probably not going to make that happen.
1: I mean, I don't think he would like it. I I will say he, he has the biggest hissy fit. I guess it was. Yeah, probably I, um, I don't think though. Yeah, you know, like if you look at how things have played out this season, it's not like he's expressed a lot of dissatisfaction, despite the fact that. He's getting benched in crunch time. I'd say probably at least like 50% of these games, right? Like yeah. there are a lot of games where PJ's just not playing the minutes that matter. And I can't imagine he loves that, but he hasn't made a stink about it, is you know, saying all the right things about this is he's doing whatever he needs to do for the team, whether that's starting, finishing, playing with bench lineups, playing center, all of that. Um, so I do give credit to all the guys in- involved in this, you know, potential debate that none of them has stepped out of line yet. They've all said mm-hmm. the right things, they've all carried themselves as good teammates. Again, it, it always comes back to what happens when there's real adversity for this yeah. team? What happens when Tyrese plays in crunch time over Melton? And he misses like six straight shots and Melton or Melton's representation or Melton's friends or Melton's family say, "Yo, this is BS, dude. Why are you not playing over this guy? Mm-hmm. Or what happens when Melton is out there ostensibly for defensive purposes and he just gets roasted over and over again by a really good player? And Tyrese's people say, well, Tyrese could do that and also <laughs> give you more on offense. Like, yeah. that's the stuff that you have to worry about. Like if they're losing – big time games, playoff games. And one of them's not on the floor and they say, Hey, look, you guys still lost that game and I'm not playing. Like, what am I doing here? What are we doing here? Like that's, that's when you have to worry about it. If they just win, that solves everything. Nobody's worrying about their role. Guys are still playing 30 minutes a night, making good money, playing on a really good team. If they win and they settle into roles, that solves everything. My concern is, you know, that sets a really high bar. You have to win 50-plus games, maybe 55 games, and go to a conference finals at least for everybody to feel satisfied with where they're at. And that's a really, really tough thing to accomplish, even with all we've said about uh, how positive we feel about this team right well, now. Well, and and
0: really quick, I mean, it's easy for Maxi and the team to do this when the game starts at 10 o'clock at night. The Eagles just... You know, like, let's be real. If you don't talk about, about a PR aspect... Nobody really cares right now about it. Like people close to the team do, obviously, and Maxi's people, but labels matter. And when game seven of round two is being played, and Maxi's not a starter, or Melton's not a starter, or they're using whichever line, like they can pretend they have three starting lineups now, they're more than likely going to start the exact same five players throughout the playoffs. I would think. I would be surprised if they didn't. So that's really when it's going to matter. That's really when it's going to be tested to, okay. Game seven, tonight, must-win game, biggest game of Joel's career, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Maxi, you're coming off the bench. Or PJ, I know we signed you. But you're not starting tonight. That's when it's truly going to matter, when, when, when those moments arrive. How do you think Doc will handle it? Because I think when it comes to Doc's star management, there's kind of different things out there. Now, he's coached a lot of them throughout his career. Boston, L.A., now here with Philly. And it feels like in L.A., the whole perception was he let them do whatever they wanted. How do you think Doc will be managing these personalities and handling what we seem to agree is going to be, could potentially become at least a somewhat tense situation and at the very least is a tricky one?
1: I I mean, that's sort of the million dollar question, right? Is he gets a lot of credit for, I'd say, ego management and, you know, setting guys in roles and establishing a hierarchy. That went tits up when the Kawhi and PG. I that expression. <laughs> Kawhi and PG Clippers were just sort of a complete disaster internally, yeah. and as you're mentioning, he let them get away with pretty much whatever they wanted. So, uh, like, I'm not worried about PJ because if he gets mad, like, who cares? He's not good enough for me to really care about him. But
0: but he mad. seems like a personality that if he's upset in the locker room, could be destructive. Like if, if, if you want, if the positive yeah. is he has this dog in him, blah, blah, blah. Well, the negative side of that is he is somebody that cares a lot and is is not just going to sit back.
1: I don't think he's that sort of guy, though. Like, I I think so. He was if I'm remembering correctly, I feel like he was a military brat growing up. Mm-hmm. And so I think that sort of informs his personality in a way. He's like you know, what's good for the group is good for me. Like that yeah. sort of mentality, like right. I'm going to do whatever. Like, I don't know if it's, I wouldn't say that's all because of uh, his upbringing, but I, I do think there's something to that where like, well, he's at when a late,
0: he, st- late stage of his career too, for what it's worth.
1: Yeah. I just think he grew up in a, in a house, in a mentality that it's like, you know, the, with the word of the law goes, or <laughs> it's like, whatever, whatever right. my dad or my parents are telling me goes. And so, an extension of that is the coaching staff or like you know if something if boosting up one of my teammates or my my people around me is better for the group then I'm willing to take that back seat now again I don't think he'll be happy I don't think he's going to sit there and be you know like a church mouse and not say anything or whatever but I don't think he is the type of guy that's going to like burn down a locker room because He's playing less minutes. Yeah, I, the concerns you know for than. me are all the younger, long-term guys. Like, does DeAnthony Melton just say I I want out, or not? Not even I want out, but start looking in free agency toward other teams rather than he's somebody they really should want to sign long-term after yeah. next year. Or I mean, if they could ink him to an extension sooner than that and get him on a discount, like that would be. The best option. Now, I don't he's think he's taken that. completely locked
0: in for next year. It's not a player option, a team yeah, option. No, he's like he he's under, on okay.
1: an $8 million contract for next year too. Um, whether they can get him to agree to a longer term deal is another story. I tend to think he's because he's on a team-friendly deal now and because the cap is going to go up by a ton, he's yeah. going to unrestricted free agency in the summer of 2024, basically no matter what. Mm-hmm. So you want to be able to go to him and credibly say, Look, we've given you the biggest opportunity you could get here. Yeah. We want you to be a core member of our team moving forward, blah, 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 because that will be powerful in negotiations. It's, you know, grass is not always greener on the other side. So they, they, they want to go in with that. And same thing with Maxi. Like, even though they're probably going to pay him a ton of money or he's going to demand a lot of money, you still want to be able to say and maybe, Ding that price tag a little bit by saying, Look, Tyrese, you're gonna have a huge role here. You saving saving us some money. It's gonna allow us to you know retain some other guys, whatever it is. Now, Rich Paul's probably telling him to screw was, off. And I was gonna you know, say
0: for, first it was Maxie, it'd be so great if you come up the bench for us. Now it's Maxie, if you could just take a little less right. money for us. So <laughs> it's a very,
1: it's a very yeah. tricky. Thing to sort of sort out. But you want to go into those conversations with as good of a relationship as possible. And so I'm not worried about keeping PJ happy. I'm worried about keeping Tyrese and DeAnthony happy.
0: Well, all right. So let me ask you. So it was a million dollar question for Doc. I'll throw the million dollar question at you. You are in the position to make these decisions, the starters, you know, bench, all those things. And you the long-term implications, the immediate implications, how would you handle it? Like, would you handle it this way? Would you do the three starters thing? Would you? How would Kyle Newback, head coach slash
1: GM, handle
0: this situation?
1: This this is about his best. It's probably the best way you can handle it. I would lean toward playing the three guard starters as much as possible because Mm -hmm. I do think, as we've seen with these closing groups, at the end of the day, PJ's probably not going to play a lot of these minutes that matter at this point. Like, based on his current form, even when they're playing teams that he should be playing crunch time against, and he hasn't been good enough to play those minutes. Right. So that means you have to prepare the the rest of the group that this is the team. This is the five-man lineup you're going to war with when it matters. It's James, Tyrese, De'Anthony, Tobias, Joel. And so you have to know, De'Anthony, these are your defensive rebounding responsibilities. Like you have a lot more on your plate there because Tyrese is small, Tobias not the best power forward rebounder mm. and James kind of is what he is there. Joel has his issues there. So D'Anthony has to be prepared for that. You have yeah. to prepare Tyrese. Like you're the guy who's going to have to set our pace in transition. He's going to be leaking up the floor, being that outlet up the floor after they get a stop their crunch time offense. Where are guys stationed? Who's spacing here? Who's in the corner? Who's doing this? Like those are all things you have to figure out between now and, you know, mid to late April when the playoffs start. So, I would lean into that as much as possible. I don't think to Doc's point with the three different close or starting lineups. I don't think it's a group you can play against everybody. They are going to need PJ. So, I do agree with the fact that they're you know taking this approach and doing this for both basketball and political reasons. But yeah, we're gonna see how it works out, man. It's a uh, it's a very interesting subplot now as we hit the second half of the year well and also you know maybe we were just early on it but
0: it feels like it's becoming a real thing i think when we were first starting to talk about it it was oh this would be interesting how would they hand you know it's becoming a real thing you know when you talk about a, and really it's becoming a real thing because james is playing so well and Joel and james playing so well make secondary issues seem like larger ones but this is probably the biggest question with the team right now is how do you handle maxi And, you know, the trade deadline less than a month away. I don't think this is something that's going to come to full kind of like full blown issue before the trade deadline. But if a star does become unexpectedly available, that adds a a, a dynamic to it as well.